You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Andre, uh, it's nice to talk to you again this week. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you as well. Like two times in one week, I think. My God. Anyway, um, you know what? I think, I think tonight we're we're gonna take a very serious note. And um, and we're not we're not opening any bottles unless you had something with dinner because we are recording this fairly late in the evening. Yep, I, I don't have anything open. Okay. Uh, I I will admit that I did try some Burrowing Owl Athene 2017, damn good wine. Uh, but that's that's just that's just me. Um, but with everything that's going on in the world, I we thought maybe we should do something about this, and we didn't. And we thought we're not going to do it. We're not going to jump on the bandwagon. And then we were approached by a gentleman who were, uh, is the winemaker for Second Street Light, the winemaker for Corn Cornfield Wine Company, the winemaker for Coffin Ridge. He's the consultant for Solaria Rose Hill Cellars. He has a grower partner with Ridgepoint, and he also has his own winery, Narai Cellars. And why were we approached by him was because Andre and I actually have personal relationships with this particular winemaker. Uh, for my part, uh, he's... he's one of one of if not my best friend uh and he was the best man at my wedding uh and i worked with him at southbrook for years uh and have just uh, I'm very close with the gentleman andre if you want to say what you do with him yeah you're sounding like you're getting a little verklempt a little bit i'm, I'm i love this man so i'm just i just i don't want people thinking <laughs> that we that we just jumped on the bandwagon here to talk to the black winemaker of Niagara. We both have a connection. He yeah, he's, sell, he, he helps uh, he, you find grapes for your uh, for your brand, and you're yep. also a friend of his. Yep, uh, actually, it's it's uh, I really really enjoy working with Steve. Steve helped me bottle my wine last year when I, I frantically needed to find a way to get my wine in bottle when I had a bottling date canceled. Uh, he has been um, been nothing but generous when i've needed advice or uh direction on where to go what to do what to buy where to buy it um so yeah i i owe a lot of the existence of the adx wine company to steve byfield so that's who we are speaking to uh steve byfield and we just uh, i guess uh steve hello hello guys how are you doing tonight uh good um so I guess I, we should start with obviously maybe we should jump right into this. Uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> uh, right now, nothing. I had a glass of water earlier. I had it just finished a um, uh, good good day bottling at uh, Ridgepoint Wines for one of my clients, and um, spending some time with the guys there. Of course, social distancing was the uh, was the imperative uh, measure and precaution to take. But no, everything's done and everything's cool, and we're just I'm just. Relaxing to rebound to uh, tackle another day tomorrow. So we we obviously the the, um, the 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 topic is I guess the black experience in not only the wine world but in Canada. Uh, and you approached us and said, "No, I I really would like to discuss this." So Andre, I think you wanted to pose the very first question. Yeah, I, I think the first question is, uh, and and you know, I guess full disclosure on this, I reached out to you through Michael because I wasn't sure how to approach you with the question. Because I'll be honest, I've never had to talk to you about the color of your skin. 
Um, but there's a lot of people in the industry who now have your name on their lips that three weeks ago either didn't didn't bother to check out the brand or just had no idea that we had a black winemaker in Niagara. Like, how does it feel to have so many people speaking about you or speaking on your behalf right now? Well, if, as you guys know, uh, me um, and other people who know me well, um, I'm not one to typically typically go out and find or seek the limelight. I'm one who's pretty quiet, keep to myself, and try to run uh, my brand as such, along with my you know uh, my teammates uh, in, in the brand of Mirai. And it's a it's humbling. It's also a bit uh, I can say daunting as well, and just like. Um, I guess really to say, I was telling someone this earlier today. You know, um, appreciate the 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 attention, appreciate uh, new eyes on on the brand and on myself for the brand. Um, uh, it's you know, I like to think that at the end of the day, the wine that's in the bottle will speak for itself in terms of in terms of the quality because we're just trying to make a good quality product. However, I did feel uh, some did have some reservations as to. Um, of course, I guess the, the reaction, why it's happening in terms of a part of it, why it's happening, because, you know, it seems like it happened stateside and just felt kind of bad saying, okay, is this kind of a reaction or uh, a cause of, you know, of the, uh, the larger topic, the social topic stateside in terms of, you know, racial equality and, um, and the whole thing. So, um, it's, again, it's it's great in one way, but another way, I just have to stand back and go, yeah, okay, this is coming out of the cost of something bigger, and um, you know, we just take it in stride and, and appreciate uh, what we have. So now, something I've I've never I've never asked you is, and 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 just as as Andre said, I've you know never gone, geez, I. I, I, I got to ask Steve something based on the color of his skin, but I, I guess, you know, everybody is seeing you in those eyes now. I, uh, what is the, I, I, I just don't know as, as a, a white guy and Andre the same way, what is the black experience in let's say Niagara or Canada or, or Ontario? If you can, if you can give that kind of answer. I can only talk for myself. Um, I'm sure people, other people have their own experiences, which they would, um, probably more intense, more, um, more involved than I, um, uh, personally, you know, uh, growing up, um, yeah, I, there, there, of course, there were issues, there were times, there were situations where, you know, be by my own business, driving somewhere, walking down the street, whatever, and would hear the, the N-word, bypassing car, whatever and it's like all right um that's how you feel it's wrong uh, it's not right uh you don't know me and you know if that makes you feel good so be it but um in terms of um you know trying to take me down tear me down um well, those words no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't enough to uh just feel less pride or less less self-respect for myself i mean when Myself, along with my siblings, were raised by two strong, loving parents that uh, instilled in their kids, you know, to have self-respect for yourself, have respect for others, and conduct yourself a certain way. Um, that being said, 
um, there was always, I guess, the added uh, lesson slash talk of, you know, but be careful when you're out there, mind your own business. There's people out there who, you know, would probably look at to, to take advantage of you or, or to not, not try to knock you down a peg based on your skin. Regardless how, you know, if you are successful in the career that you choose or what you do, there always will be people who will not think that you're on equal grounds with them just based on, again, color your skin or the religion or your nationality, whatever. So, um, so yeah, again, again, I've had my, I've had my experiences, but uh, you know, in the uh, in the trade itself, it's been for the most part largely largely positive, um, among other winemakers, other wine owners, um, among other um, workers in the industry, either it be you know seller hands, vineyard uh, workers, vineyard managers, whatever. It's been nothing but a, a blessing and a great opportunity just to be part of this uh, of this industry and and the community and such. Um, do, do you mind if I ask a, a question just about like the conversations with your parents? Cause I mean, this is something that as a white person, and I think most of the people listening to this podcast are, are white. Um, I mean, that's not a conversation I've ever had to have with my parents that people are going to say stuff to me or, or I have to mind my own business. Like, like when is, is there a point in your life when you realize that like, you know, your white friend's don't have to go through the same stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was, I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying I resented them for that, whatever, it's just, um, would be situations where maybe, in one particular, I can remember, when I was younger, um, living, growing up in Kitchener, um, and for the most part, fairly um, happy, um, memorable loving experience there still have lots of family and friends there but um i guess one one experience in, in particular that kind of stands out and i actually just thought about it the other day and just kind of said hmm that's uh yeah i think that was probably the, one of the first times i actually um recognized this but the story in short was um, i don't know how old i was at the time probably oh, definitely you know early grades probably like grade four grade five um uh, there was a corner store. Actually, it was more of a corner store. It was a, a drugstore that had, um, you know, farm school stuff as well as chocolate bars and potato chips and so forth. So I would frequent this place quite quite regularly. And one day I was going, you know, just around the corner. It was a pharmacy store to buy a chocolate bar, I believe. And as just as I was about to approach the front door, this lady came out. I stopped so that, you know, she could walk out. Unimpeded, and she looked at me, and I remember saying, I remember her saying, distinctly saying, "Oh, the kind of the disgusted voice. Um, oh, you, you, black people just bother me. Like, why are you here? I just can't. I don't understand this. I, I just don't like you. I'm, I'm, I'm standing, I'm standing, going, kind of dumbfounded, going, who's she talking to, <laughs> right? And then, as she's Kind of collecting her thoughts and to say more uh, to me, her young son, who's he was, he was definitely a long, little younger, little younger than myself, was right behind her. He looked at me, and I looked at him. He looked at his mom and said, "Mom, who are you talking to?" And she smoked and said, "I'm talking to this person." And she stopped and grabbed his hand and kept on walking away. And I, yes, I was kind of startled by that. And I thought to myself, walked in, bought my purchase, walked home, and 
So it was at that moment I was walking home, and then it dawned on me. It's like, hmm, really? Wow, this is what um, someone who doesn't like you based on my skin color uh, happens or does. And it's just, it kind of took me back and um, didn't really say anything to my parents. Actually, didn't say anything about my parents at all because um, <laughs> it would not have been pretty. But um, uh, it was something definitely I just kind of thought myself um, when my other friends have, um, in the neighborhood would have had that same type of experience or treatment. And knowing that at that point, no, they wouldn't. But again, um, uh, she wasn't someone from the neighborhood, that's for sure, in terms of my neighbor, my immediate neighborhood area. And um, uh, never did see that first again, but it really did leave a lasting mark on me. Just, you know, just can't help you just talk to or even treat somebody based on their skin color without knowing them. It wasn't like I was being rude or blocking entrance to the store. I, you know, it's just like, well, go walk and see someone, so you step back, let them uh, step by, walk by, and then, you know, for my for my consideration and courtesy, got uh, chewed out. So, on uh, uh, bringing us back to, to your current profession, what, so, I remember talking to Andre when all of these folks started coming out on social media and saying, why, why don't we have more black winemakers in Ontario? And uh, I think Andre, uh, and Andre, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, but I think you looked up the um, population of Niagara, and I think I think the the black population is like 1.8 percent. So it's it's that's, a very um, that's from Stats Canada. It was just okay. uh, I saw I saw one particular person on Instagram being particularly aggressive towards the the industry in Niagara. And once again, my experience as a white person, I haven't had any doors slammed in my face even while getting my my business going. And I'm not sure what your experience has been like. I know we want to get there, but. I, I think when we're talking about issues with with race, there there do need to be more questions. It shouldn't just be a matter of X number of people of a certain color or a certain religious or a certain ethnic background make up a population. Thus, they should automatically be, you know, working in equal proportions in certain jobs. Like there's certain other factors that go into whether or not people are, are, are represented. I mean, obviously people shouldn't be barred from entering these jobs, but I think there's more questions to ask than simply being like 30% of a region is black, thus 30% of every job should also be black. There's other questions to ask. So, sure. so, I'm, so I'm glad that, that Andre had looked that up. And I, and I guess the, the, the question that, that I, I wanted to ask you was, was what made you want to be a winemaker, a, a person of color? I don't know if there's a lot of people of color in in the wine business uh, as a whole, but it was there a certain person of color, black person who, who you, you wanted to emulate at one point and you saw, you saw them and you go, yeah, I can do that. No, no. Um, and the reason why I pursued winemaking was something I just fell in love with uh, during my uh, uh, post-secondary studies at, at university in my second year just became an amateur winemaker um, got bitten as you know they say by the wine bug by working uh, with uh, a gentleman who had a uh, brew on premise uh, facility in, uh, in Concord Ontario I was going to uh, York University at that time and um, he was a retired Metro police officer uh, retired I think about 
two or three years earlier, and this was his uh, part-time job, just to keep, as he would say, keep his uh, himself uh, out, of, out of his wife's hair at home. So kept him busy, and we just um, fairly, fairly on just struck up a really great relationship and a good working relationship, and and uh, I'm totally indebted to uh, Paul Morton, is his name, uh, for allowing me that opportunity to um, see wine, you know, to, to at least get appreciation of wine. And then um, it really wasn't until after graduating university where, when um, for music, um, that I had a real inkling that well, this might be, it would be cool to see wine making from a from a commercial end as opposed to just making as an amateur and so forth. And then, then of course, that opportunity was given to me. Uh, at my time at Southbrook, um, starting in 2001, when I was um, offered to apprentice and uh, help out with the 2001 vintage. So. Um, in terms of um, were there any other mentors or people I looked up to of color in the industry that I knew of at times, especially in Ontario? No. Um, uh, no, it was basically just something I wanted to do. And um, luckily I had a, I found a, a something that was just as passionate with wine as, as I was with music uh, to pursue it and thought this uh, would be a, a very viable career path to take. I guess maybe to just take it back a, a, a little bit to what I was saying before about demographic then, and you said there was no one who necessarily inspired you to uh, join the wine industry. What do you think, um, what do you think? Or at least no, at least no one of color. Okay. You know, there were people, um, you know, once I got into Southbrook there, um, Derek Barnett being, uh, actually, actually Derek was really uh, my main mentor in terms of, um, Someone you know who who made great and crafted great wines, and when I had the opportunity to apprentice there, I figured, yeah, this would be great to learn under him and people like that, and um, and um, you know bounce ideas off and ask questions, which I you know we I do from time to time just to keep up with them and uh, such. But in terms of anyone you know, of you know, of color, no, there wasn't anybody else um, at that time. But you know, I guess I really was. <laughs> I guess I really wasn't uh, seeking to find anybody like that or whatever, because I just, I didn't know. Um, and and um, that would later would be, uh, I guess, acknowledged and, and confirmed to me by others once um, uh, people knew of what I was doing and, uh, and and working my way through the ranks. It was more or less confirmed. Like, hey, I think you might be the only guy, if not in, if not in Ontario, in Canada, doing this. And it's like, oh, <laughs> okay, cool. Cool to that extent, bowl so it's like, um, I wonder why. So um, that would be for a wider conversation as to uh, why people may not think there is opportunity, but you know, at least for me there was. And um, yeah. Well, I, I think that actually that leads to um, a more succinct question from from me. Then, uh, like, I think it's important that we're taking a reflection on how white the wine industry is, right from grape to the sommeliers that are, are working in restaurants, what what can we do to change to change this industry and to change the mindset so that it's more inclusive that people of other uh, of other ethnic backgrounds are, are more interested and want to take part in in this world? I think we've already I think we've already kind of at least I can say for myself I think I've seen it seen that change happen already. Um, gradually, but it's it has happened. It has been occurring um, over the last six eight years. Um, I guess 
in a larger context um, or, or vantage point, people probably at one point, probably not so much now, but definitely at one point, would view wine as being something that was a very intimidating subject or occupation to to you know, indulge in, in terms of, you know, you had to know the grape variety, you had to know where the grape variety came from, you had to know the history of the variety, you had to know the history of the terroir in the region, and so forth from the property, and, you know, wine's a luxury, right? So, to go buy a nice bottle of wine, you need some cash. Um, not everybody has that type of discretionary cash to buy, you know, uh, you know, Screaming Eagle or a truce or whatever, but, you know, the whole lore of wine being this mystique where, you know, it's it's an upper societal thing and you should know where it came from, come from so you can talk to it. And I think, at least from my perspective, a lot of people were somewhat intim- intimidated by that. I have a dog here, sorry. Hush. What? And um, I think over the last, really, decade or so, um, you're, we're seeing more, people kind of gravitate into wine because, you know, it's not as uh, intimidating. I mean, you know, I guess one of the adage, what I was saying used to be, you know, white wine, white meat, red wine with, you know, red meat, right? Well, that's kind of been thrown out the window now, right? So you can do whatever. And I think it's it's just more of a, of a openness of people to really want to explore and um, see what they like. Um, that's how I kind of see it in terms of, um, you know, just people just open up and, and want to explore more. I think they feel more comfortable to do that these days. So I, I guess kind of piggybacking on, on what Andre said, uh, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase the question kind of two, the same question two ways, just so that I, I, I make it sound right, I guess. Do you find the wine industry uh, exclusionary? Meaning, like, have doors been closed on you because of your color? I would say no. No. Um, it's like anything else, you have to prove your worth. And I think if, you know, if you, regardless if you have your own label, or if you're a winemaker or you're part of a wine team, you know, a team of winemakers at a winery, you know, if you're contributing to the greater good of the product, meaning a decent, solid product, um, when the doors are going to close unless people don't like the wine. But I mean, itself, if the wine will always, I always took it as the wine always would speak for itself. Have I felt any type of, um, I guess, discrimination or uh, difficulty or, uh, let's say, difficulty? No, myself, no. Like, for the most part, it's been largely, largely a, a positive experience. Um, if anything, people have been very encouraging and supportive of. Um, of uh, of my brand, of course, and of, and of my work, and that, yeah, it's not so much, you know, hey, you're only black guy doing this. I want to support you. No, I don't. You know, it's it's not like some type of firm action thing where you go and do it because you're special in a certain way. No, you go and do it because we want you because you have a great product, and by chance, hell, my smart you, you know, you're you know, you're a person of color. That's interesting. That's great. That's great to see. So. Um, but my my experiences in uh, so far in, in this industry itself has been largely positive and um, very supportive of, of uh, a slew of people uh, in my past to where I've gotten now. It's been um, I I think about them often. I think about them on a regular basis, and I'm, I'm just very grateful for that. 
Now, Steve, I know you're. You said that you, you're talking about your experience, and and obvi- obviously, you're the only black winemaker in Niagara for me to put this this question to. So maybe Michael and I might need to ask this question to uh, some of the the Psalms in Toronto as well. But do you think that maybe um, even just the the roots and the history of wine uh, is a little problematic? Just that many of the the growing regions, you know, have a, a very strong history of of either overt or, or casual racism. If you're talking about France, like, you know, the racism is is almost a part of the culture there, or you take a look at what's happening in South Africa and come to think of it, you know, I've met and interviewed a half dozen winemakers from South Africa in, in my career as a wine writer, every single one of them white. Um, so, I mean, is, is it just sort of exclusionary by its um, by its history? And how do you get past that? Is it clear by history? I guess, and and perhaps it was, um, you know, say maybe 20, 30 years ago. Um, hey, you know, guys, uh, you know, people have their own talents. People have their own attributes. Um, I think talent usually will shine and usually show. And if someone is willing to judge you on your talent, um, um, those opportunities will be there. Um, that being said, I also have also met a few winemakers from South Africa, South Africa as well. Um, uh, a number of events uh, that I used to be uh, part of with Southbrook, um, and and some and there were the one in particular I can't remember his uh, name um, right now, but uh, one particular gentleman himself was uh, was just very supportive of what I was doing. You know, he did say, hey, you know. In South Africa, we don't have a lot of people of color making wine. We have a lot of workers who do the work and so forth. But in terms of winemakers, it's it's not it's not it's not there is not, there is not a, a big enough group that take it, you know that has any visible uh, notice. But yet, you know, there you know we do have some, but not a lot. I mean, he was just just totally supportive, going you you know you just go, <laughs> you just do your thing, and so forth. But um. Yeah, I'm for sure. There, I mean, I guess in the, in the past there was uh, that, that that exclusive club, and you know you could never break through because maybe because you know again, uh, people of color weren't considered to have the uh, intelligence or the skill set to do to do the work with that now. But you know we're seeing it. We're seeing it all over now. You know there are people of color working in the South African wine industry. There's people of color working in the uh, Pacific Northwest of the United States and Washington, going right down to California. Um, you know, uh, my network with, with some of them. Uh, we, you know, we'll, you know, pass messages on Twitter now and then, and so forth, and support. But um, it, I believe it's growing, and definitely um, there is a definite uh, movement to to have more diversity and more people of uh, of color, not just of African descent, but whatever you know, yeah, indigenous, Métis, um, Asian, just to really um, show the true diversity and the reality of of society, what it is today. So um, you seem to be the um, the focus these days, but I was wondering, do you know of any other black people in the industry that you'd want to meet but have yet to have the opportunity? There's a few I'd like to meet in, in, in the States um, that have reached out to me or I've reached out to them or again, we follow each other. and. Um, and send notes back and then but um yeah i mean i'd like to do 
some traveling at some point um, just to uh, see see other regions, visit other regions, and um, make those connections and network. And Steve, what would you what would you say to um, I guess mainly all the white people who are, are standing up and, and speaking out? Um, what what would you say to them? To it would be the best way for them to be an ally to uh, people of color, marginalized people, and um, just help make the industry more inclusive. Like what what what's the, what what would you want? What would you want to say to them? I'm sorry, the question's sort of like awkward. It's just. I'm trying to find the, yeah, the right way to word it. Well, I'd say to them, first of all, thank you for taking notice and supporting uh, such business as that. And um, again, um, I guess if it's coming from a place of true earnest and true uh, respect and, and compassion, that's great. That's awesome. Um, if it's just, you know, like if it's like the fad thing to do because, you know, it's our human nature, you want, you know, sometimes, sometimes you want to jump on the bandwagon and just do whatever it's fashionable. <sighs> you know, you know, you know, you know what's truthful from what's not in terms of your, your tensions and your actions, but um, uh, in terms of, you know, the support and what people saying, you know, there should be more inclusionary, that, that's great. I think that's something that um, should be raised, should be noted, and um, hopefully that will lead to some opening of doors and changing of attitudes and uh, willingness of people to, you know, give someone a chance because at the end of the day, um, someone, someone was willing to give me a chance to get into this. And it was, um, it was not a charity, charity or anything, just that they saw that I had some merit, um, had some drive and had some desire and um, ambition to work and was given the opportunity to do apprentice. And, uh, worked hard at that and I still continue to work hard on my craft and um again I've never forgotten that but um I think again that was just somebody who again was open up to uh, give me a chance an opportunity so if this movement social it's just um current movement to social phase that we're in allows for more people to uh, I guess have the confidence and maybe to pursue these opportunities or at least have opportunities come to them um because of social change and just you know more of a, a pressing of society saying you gotta let more people in uh based you know and judge them on their, their talents and their skill set um it's it's all it's all a good thing it's all a good thing steve we'd like to thank you for taking the time to uh to speak with us i i, I know that your time is is precious these days we've had to reschedule a couple times um because you are so busy Heck, what is this, six wineries that you're working with? And uh, uh, we wish you all the best in the future. And, and I, I know I'll see you in the backyard and we'll social distance real soon. Well, we always do and look forward to it as well. Andre, it was nice talking to you as well. Yeah, it's always good to talk to you, Steve. We'll talk soon. Take care, guys. Thanks, Steve. I, I don't even know uh, how we're going to wrap this one up, Michael. I, Andre, I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm a little speechless myself, so uh, maybe we should just uh, wrap this one up. Uh, and and leave uh, leave Steve's words as they are. Um, and they can check out the work that Steve does at it's Narai Sellers. Oh. The website is naraisellers.ca n y a r a i c e l l a r s dot c a. Uh, I believe you can follow him the same thing on Instagram. Uh, I know he's on Facebook, and you know what? I think he's on uh, Twitter as Terroir Lover. Yep. 
I think that's him. Yep, and, he, and he still has some wines for sale, even though it is literally like flying off the shelf. Uh, he may he has made great Viognier in the past, but it looks like that's sold out. Uh, and I haven't tried any of the new stuff that he's got listed on the site. Oh, well, I guess I don't know what to say. I guess we should buy some of Steve's wines. I guess so. Uh, well, uh, Andre, you are who? I'm Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. And I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Uh, good night, everyone. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This podcast is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. A big thank you goes out to Adnan Isel, owner of Isellers Estate Winery. You can visit them at 615 Concession 5 Road in Niagara-on-the-Lake, or check out their website at iSellers.ca. Find out how you can support us, like Adnan, by visiting patreon.com slash twoguystalkingwine.